Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Do you guys remember um, on February 25th, um, John Oliver on his show last week tonight with John Oliver did a piece on psychics. And I'm telling if you remember, you know what I'm talking about. This piece hurt a lot of people's feelings and broke the spirits of many of my colleagues and many of my fellow intuitives that won't even touch the professional route. (laughs) And it's stories like this and commentaries like this that really make most of us not even want to come near working with or helping the public with our gifts. I had students and clients and fellow sensitives um, call me and uh, they were upset and most of them admitted that they turned the channel vowed and vowed never to watch John Oliver again. It hurt their feelings so bad, right? And so it's, you know, we can watch those things and be entertained when they're talking about other professions. <laughs> and, then, and then when they turn maybe the same type of ignorance, I don't know. But um, our profession, like who we are, non-professionally, just who we are, uh, we're just so easily the butt of jokes. You know, we're just so easily um, to make fun of because there are a million misconceptions within ourselves even because we, we hear these things and we either identify or don't identify with them. So it's really hard to make peace with what the truth is, even when we're born this way. So... I know that night I was sitting with my kids as we watched and adrenaline, man, it started pouring through my veins and my face turned red because I just knew where this was going. It was turning into like, we are just nothing but a big joke, right? I remember holding my breath in fear because I knew what was coming, right? I am psychic, but (laughs) this was an easy prediction for sure. Now, my daughter laughed through most of it. And my son, who's a medium like me, he made me pause the show um, so he could ask me questions because um, he was so confused at what John Oliver was saying and then what his reality of what psychic mediums are um, in the world. So that was intense. It was a really intense conversation, and it was upsetting. Again, not for maybe my daughter who doesn't experience it the way my son and I do, but since he's a medium like me, it it was tough. It was tough too, because there are there are reasons that certain things happen, and we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. Um, but to people that just don't understand, they won't understand even if you explain it. So easily the butt of jokes for sure. I felt like it was like watching a rich person make fun of poor people. You know, like people somebody born rich making fun of somebody born poor, like there is just such a massive disconnect of what that reality is like when you've never once stepped foot in that reality. Or what I imagine, I have a lot of gay friends and I feel like coming out of the psychic closet is um, comparably to coming out of the gay closet because, you know, we're born this way And many of us are born into families that do not understand, even if maybe they are themselves, you know, I've, I've heard stories of that also. Um, but when, 
you know, when you're not, when it's not something that you experience, how you, you know, most people just are so quick to dismiss your reality, um, if not just make fun of you, right? I mean, it's all fun and games when making fun of others when you don't understand their journey is what that comes down to, right? So it's easy to take a shot at the toothless criminal and declare that one person represents the sins of all poor people. You know, I mean, before I really get going here, I will say a warning and I'm pretty passionate about this subject and, um, you know, be patient with me if I kind of get carried away. Cause this is, this is something I'm so passionate about. And, um, I, I just, I, I feel so strongly about people understanding or people um, being willing to understand what it's like to be a born sensitive. Um, so, you know, just bear with me while I kind of get carried away with this subject. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that up front so you can prepare yourself. <laughs> you know, whether it's making fun of the toothless poor person that's a criminal, you know, declaring every all poor people are just like that one person or or to joke about being about a gay person when you have no idea the personal sacrifices and self-hatred someone has to go through to make peace with who they are in certain circumstances, obviously. In my opinion, that comes down, so much of that comes down to the families that we're raised in and what our soul's journey is, um, which obviously that puts us in the right family for whatever our soul is required to do in this life, whether that's, hey, you are what you are and your family accepts you and it's easier to go out in the world that way, or if you are who you are and you have to hide who you are for most of your life, and then, you know, the journey of coming out to yourself and to your family and to the community, man, is just one wave of, you know, acts of br being brave after another. Um, so when, you know, people are quote unquote normal, they never have to walk in these shoes of being something maybe misunderstood and or being something just different, right? Something as simple as just being different. Um, so, you know, when I was watching this John Oliver, it's like, does John Oliver know what it's like to be a baby in a crib and have spirits and ghosts surround and talk to you? I mean, does he know what it's like to tell your parents when you're a child that there's a ghost in your room that won't leave you alone and your parents tell you it's not there, it's not real and you're making it up? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, as a result, you spend the rest of your life being silently tortured by spirits and ghosts and energies that you don't understand because there was no one there to go to for help at a minimum. I mean, I, I, I personally know how <sighs> just something as simple as the burden of being a medium and you're seeing spirits or worse, and you do try to go to the adults for help and they maybe make fun of you. Maybe some people get in trouble and uh, maybe they say that, you know, what you're seeing isn't real. What do you think that makes a psychic kid feel like, right? I mean, as a result, you spend the rest of your life being silently tortured by spirits. You know, I just said that. It's like you wait a lifetime for somebody to explain just that part of what you experience back to you. 
You know, you wait for an explanation or you fight hard to get there on your own for sure. And the point is, is that being a psychic medium or sensitive, it's no joke. The amount of burden and responsibility psychics feel is unbearable. I mean, I've experienced it myself through the first part of my life. And I, to this day, still help sensitive people cope with, accept, understand their sensitivities, the energies or the entities, you know, the spirits that they're looking at. They don't just, we don't just naturally understand these things, especially when the culture comes against you and says those things aren't real or, oh, you know, everything's such a big deal. I mean, our culture barely accepts that ghosts are real, like that's some big news flash where to a, a medium, that's a Tuesday and that's in that room or that house. I mean, they're everywhere always because people have existed on the land in houses for hundreds of thousands of years. So that some beings get become ghosts should not be you know, eight hours worth of television trying to hunt and find them. It's just super, it's just super weird to mediums that see them everywhere. Like again, cause it reinforces that our culture is still trying to prove whether, whether they're real or not. It's just so incredible, really. I mean, if they can't get help, you know, as if psychic sensitives can't get help understanding how information and energy and spirits come to them, from someone who understands their unique problems, it, I've, you know, it can destroy them. I've caught students, you know, in their sixties and seventies that only now, only finally with me languaging their reality back to them, do they realize that who they've been their whole life is absolutely natural and normal. And, um, you know, it's, there's nothing like, special about it. I mean, it is like any other gift for sure, but it, it doesn't make them odd. It just, it's just another, a different form of reality for people. Now I agree with a hundred percent agreement that we should call out any and all fake predatory psychics. Um, but our profession is not the only profession with fake people in it. <laughs> There was a 2020 about, uh, you know, people impersonating doctors and there, you know, I, I have to say this a lot to my clients and my students, but my profession is not the only profession that has charlatans, right? Um, you know, um, I don't want to go down this like rabbit hole, but, um, I've been, I've paid hundreds and thousands of dollars to doctors that have, you know, didn't cure anything for me. Um, when we lived in California, we had a hot tub and a swimming pool and that climate was something that my body wasn't used to. But when we moved there, I would lay out on these, um, like wood chips cause our, our furniture hadn't been delivered yet. And so I got this really awful rash and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So I went to dermatologist after dermatologist to get help. And, you know, each time you go there, that's hundreds of dollars for absolutely no explanation whatsoever. And I was vulnerable too. I was the, the itch and the burn was in, in insane and nobody could help me. And I don't walk around saying that doctors prey on 
uh, the weak and vulnerable. And I think when it comes to our health, um, there's nothing more vulnerable than our health. I mean, people probably seek out psychics and mediums for grief for sure. But what, uh, what about our medical profession that offers no help to certain things? Obviously you guys, I'm not saying all things, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> excuse me. I'm sure I'm just simply saying that even with a, a rash, something like that, hundreds, I mean, hundreds and thousands of dollars to go to experts to figure out what it was. And I finally figured out what it was on my own. I didn't realize that the gardeners were spraying, um, what's that, uh, weed killer, um, Roundup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had been laying on Roundup for months. Good God. That's what the rash was from. So I probably still have some of that poison in my body, even as we speak. But the point is, is that I was vulnerable and I went to professional doctors for help and none of them could help me. And we generally don't say the medical profession is out to just prey on the weak and vulnerable. I mean, seriously. So I get passionate like that because, um, people don't, what people don't talk about is how psychic mediums are. I mean, the amount of peace, the amount of clarity, the amount of, um, evidential information we bring to our clients is beautiful and incredible and life affirming. Um, but we're reduced to the, you know, the one person that is a joke taking your money because they think it's easy and fun. Okay. Anyway, I'm on my high horse for sure. <laughs> but, um, you guys understand what I'm saying. I, you know, I, I get a little bit snobby when psychics, um, say there's an A or an M in someone's name too. But, you know, again, I have my uh, own annoyances within my profession because a lot of information, other fellow intuitives give out is just wrong. Maybe because they're misinformed, maybe because that's just not their reality. Cause you know, we, we do do information different to some degree and maybe, um, I've seen some personalities where they're very egotistical and very confident and very, um, you know, they don't have, they don't have to overcome humility. Uh, cause some of us were born with so much humility. We have no voice. You know, I was the girl who could barely say my name without blushing and trembling. I mean, seriously. So when somebody like that says you need to be more humble, that's not helpful to the people that are so humble. They're voiceless. Um, so I'm just talking about, you know, there's a, for me, it's, it's annoying when I see other psychics, like there's an A in the name, there's an E in the name. It's for me personally, I'm hit or miss with names. I hear names so good. If I have, um, 10 spirits talking at me, I can hear a lot of what I call shout outs. And there are times where I simply hear, you know, hi, I'm Bruce. And that's my client's dad's name. It's very calm. It's very direct. Um, and you either hear the whole name or you don't, but let's just say your client has again, like five to 10 spirits, which everybody does. Um, some psychics being able to hear just one name is very hard depending on the personality of the, the loved ones on the other side, you understand, <laughs> you know, I, again, I was raised in Montana, but I, I moved to New York city when I was 20 and I went to a psychic there to get help specifically with my gift. And she told me, you know, I saw, I, I see a blue balloon around you and ah, that's not helpful. 
Like what in the hell does a blue balloon mean? I would even accept, oh, I see a blue balloon around you. I would accept her saying, which to me means you're going to have a son someday. Like fine, like, but just blue balloons and A, B or F in your name, who cares? That's not helpful. Okay. I mean, I still roll my eyes to think about how stupid and unhelpful stuff like that is, but I assure you there's a reason the psychics are doing that. And we're going to keep, um, unearthing reasons why you go to a psychic and maybe they say dumb things like that. And it has more to do with skill, um, than it does that they're fake or phony. Now, so I went to the new, the psychic in New York city. Do I sit and cry? Cause I spent $60 on a non-helpful reading. Um, no, because I know she was trying to help me. She was trying to give me information that would be a value to me and she failed, but I don't feel for one second. She wasn't trying the best she could. I mean, she made me feel even more strange and cynical about my own psychic burdens at the time. Now we're going back 20 years because I was so not helpful, but I didn't feel like it's not because she didn't try to be uh, of service to me. You know, again, in my heart, I knew she was trying, which was more than anyone else had tried to do for me at the time. So even though her information was beyond vague, I definitely felt a sense that she was trying to bring in helpful information. Now I get it uh, because some psychics, their standard is, oh, I see a blue balloon. There's an A or an M or an E in the, you know, your loved one's name. Oh, and they love you and thank you for everything. Those are beyond vague. And typically the, the really true psychics, we are the biggest snobs about that. In fact, if I'm sitting with a fam, if I'm reading for somebody and their loved one says to me, thank you for everything. And I love you. I kind of refuse to say it because it's so obvious <laughs> and I, I can get a little bit snotty and I have had to, um, learn that I need to say what they say because it's not, people aren't paying me to bring them grandiose things. I mean, that's my standard. I want to bring in information that's like uh, so evidential. It's just absolutely non dispute. You know, it's indisputable. Um, but sometimes people can, you know, people can be very, uh, I don't know what the word is, not very deep. And I've had to accept that over the years. Sometimes the message is thank you. And I love you period. Okay. So, but I understand how when you're watching that from the outside, that can look like, wow, amazing. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, of course. Well, the truth is that I, I still have to admit that the fake and the silly psychics are literally the ones that make the good, the talented, the big hearted and born to do this work, not want to do it. I mean, we have the highest standards for spirit. And I went over a few reasons why, um, we want to we want to bring in the most evidential stuff. And sometimes when your family member on the other side fails to do that, we can be a little bit snotty and that that's something we have to overcome because that's not right. Um, but it is like watching a psychic give these vague, ridiculous things. It makes us cringe like to our bone. But here's the fact as a medium, your mom, again, I always use this analogy. Your mom either had black hair, dressed beautifully, was 
very feminine and read books or she didn't. If she did, then it is your validation because I don't know your mom. If she didn't, then I'm wrong or I'm getting the energy from someone else, which is absolutely part of the equation. Um, it's hard to get specific information from spirit um, than it is on the physical plane, obviously. Okay, for example, like two spirits are standing next to me. One says she's my client's mom and starts to speak, but the woman standing closest to me, I can actually see better. So, I mean, I looked, I worked for so long before I realized that I had to tell them where to stand and not to talk unless I was talking to them. I mean, as a medium, you're sitting there, client comes in, an entourage, five to 10, sometimes 20 spirits. They're people. <laughs> They're not like quiet, angelic. <laughs> I mean, come on. They're people. Half the time, they're all talking and laughing and arm holding. And let's just say the two grandmothers haven't seen each other for a while. They're arm in arm and their energy so they're spirits, but now they're energetically looking like one. And let's just say you're looking at one, but the other one starts to talk. Well, it's really hard to see their mouths moving because they're in their spirit bodies. So it took me years professionally to find the voice and have the, the wherewithal to know that I, as the medium, needed to tell them to not talk until I can bring in the evidential information as to, you know, how did you look? Okay. Your grandma says she's here, but I want to get, get a good look at her. Okay. This is who I'm seeing. And if my client says, no, that's my other one, then I have to work hard to look at the one who is talking so that I am not looking at one, but giving the, you know, but hearing another one. And that just muddies the information. So but, I mean, mediums are working their butts off trying to organize people and people who often don't want to behave. <laughs> so I, I train my students to learn to find the voice to, to, if I say to a student, you need to separate the two grandpas or the information's going to be muddy and they don't do it because it does take some practice because so, like for me, I was way too polite. So I, I did not want to like demand that the grandpas separate so I could see them separately. I, I just, <laughs> excuse me. I didn't have the personality or the voice for that at the time. So sure enough, if they don't separate the two grandfathers, you're looking at one, but you're hearing another one. So it's very confusing, which, you know, with a certain client. And if you feel confused the whole time, that was a missed opportunity. That was a missed reading. It doesn't necessarily mean you were wrong though. Okay. Um, so again, the, the psychic, the medium has to become strong enough or cause again, some of us just don't have that personality or we have to learn that they need to do what you need them to do so that you can be clear on the message and who you're talking to. So what, the truth is, is that our industry, like I've said, is just like all the other industries. There are fake and fraudulent people within the industry and we, as the psychics, certainly have to accept it and we must speak against it. And uh, I know you don't even want to call yourself a psychic because of people like that. And because uh, we can be made out to be just such jokes, you know. But however, this is the language 
um, we as a society use to explain our work. So instead of running away or not doing the work at all, let's just do such a good job and have the highest standards within our work, within who we are, to reclaim the word. Psychic. Um, when I had the skin cancer awakening, I hated that word. And I hated it for all the reasons that we're talking about, you know, being made fun of on TV by comedians or um, all the cliché-ness, all the drama and ridiculous editing and production around TV psychics and what have you. Um, and so all for all of those cliché reasons, I did not want to use that word. But don't you hate it when people call themselves something that you don't understand? Like I'm an energy, you know, I'm an energy transcriptionist. <laughs> I mean, like what, what the hell, <laughs> you know, there are, you know, we, people, when they do that, I hate it, but I know what they're doing. They're trying not to be a psychic because the word is so charged with such stupidity, but that is the word that in our culture we use to do, to kind of describe what we do. And my point is, is like, I did have to embrace that word and I, I not only embrace it, but I want to, I want to make that word what it is. You know, we use our psychic senses, our clairs to communicate with multi dimensions to make it, <laughs> you know, to simplify it. Um, so we need to be, psychic in the world, um, in the most uncliche way, you know, and some people like that stuff. They like the crystal balls. They like the whatever. And I'm not judging you if you like the cliche stuff. It's just some of us don't like that because it's so easy to make fun of that, you know, character characterization of who and what we are. So in that John Oliver piece, he talked about a psychic network hotline that brought in over like $500 million. And they did find that that network to be fraudulent. And I'm absolutely horrified of the people that were ripped off. So I imagine that there was somebody who realized that there was a lot of money to be made. And so they started this bullshit psychic network and they hired a bunch of like whoever, cause they weren't psychic. So they had no standard whatsoever. So let's just say they probably, probably statistically, they hired both fake phony people happy to perform and do whatever. But I can probably guarantee you, they probably hired some actual psychics that genuinely tried to help. But if a psychic medium does not get appropriate training, they're not going to have the skills to give good, meaningful information. All right. It takes time and practice and organization to deliver psychic information in the most accurate and helpful way. And it can be very confusing to understand energy timelines. I could go on and on. So it reminds me of two things. First, I was born in psychic medium and the information and spirits were overwhelming to me and they paralyzed me and it controlled me. I didn't control it. Um, and when I was 27 years old, you know, I've told you guys this story before several times already, but 
you know, when I was 27 years old and I saw my two-year-old daughter get the same psychic information, it terrified me because I didn't know how to help her. I didn't know how to control it. I didn't know how to understand it. Um, I couldn't, you know, I did not want to watch her be psychic sensitive and not know how to put some boundaries or explain any of it to her. So after years and thousands of hours of reading books and moving to different states, trying to find somebody to help me, um, help me understand my intuition, I finally found that mentor and she understood how intuition worked. Um, after studying it for studying with her for years and reading hundreds of strangers for free and for fun at the beginning, I, I only then did I finally understand how it worked. I didn't have the personality to do readings for anyone. Um, a day before I got help understanding it. <laughs> that was me personally. Even with lots of training and lots of practice, um, it was still unbelievably terrifying to go out and try to um, read for strangers. And the reason we psychics feel that way is because we don't know how helpful we'll be. Even when we like, you know, in the early days, you do a lot of swaps, a lot of trades. You just still are have such terror that the psychic, cause you guys, again, you're, you're trying to read something you can't control in the early days. Um, and so you try so hard to make the information relevant and be a value to them. And sometimes you can't control it cause you get what you get. Your job is to get what you get and to articulate that in the most accurate way. And in the early days, if you don't know the tone with which the information's coming in, it can be the absolute wrong message. Um, we'll talk more about that some other time. So many born intuitives try to help and they try to put themselves out there and be of service, even if you look stupid as hell while doing it. But, you know, until you know that you don't know, you don't know. Some personalities are like that, right? Where they can kind of do it and they can kind of hit the mark sometimes. So they just like think they're, they just think they're out there killing it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where, you know, the other personalities more like me, more like most of my students, like no matter how many times they are so accurate and so evidential, like they just don't think they're doing it. <laughs> So sometimes gifts come into personalities. Some people are less talented and they're more bold and they're more happy to make themselves look like a fool. And, um, I'll, I'll just tell this quick story. Okay. At one of those charity events, a fellow intuitive had her, um, she was sitting next to me. And so the people could get like, I think a little ticket and then they could just like get in any line of the, the readers there uh, on that night. And it was my first time there. And I had a line across the room and my colleague sitting next to me, um, who was not born this way. She was not born psychic medium, but she was now doing it. Um, there was nobody next to her. <laughs> there was nobody in line to get a reading with her. And I felt total um, shame because I had a long line and she didn't. But what I watched her do was <laughs> since, since she didn't have a line, she didn't have anyone to read. I swear to you, she pulled out like a sandwich and just started eating. 
<laughs> I think some guy came over and gave her some shit and she did not bat an eyelash. She did not feel bad. She did not not eat because she was hungry. Or my personality, I would have been, I would have felt so bad if nobody wanted a reading from me. I would have definitely personalized that. There's no way in hell I can eat food when I'm anywhere near that type of energy. I cannot eat, even if I'm starving. I wouldn't even think about it because I'm not really in my body. And third nightmare, first, my personality is some guy was giving her shit. And I don't remember what it was, but I was horrified for her. She just gave it back to him. She had a great time. She enjoyed herself. And that was such a lesson to me to, <laughs> excuse me, to just lighten up you know, just lighten up. Just, she's out there trying to be of service and she's not out there, um, with any expectations where I, the born psychic had a lot of expectations because it has to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Or how, how dare I put myself out there in the world? That's how I felt even after years of proving it to myself. Um, and, and you know, when you're in a client with a client, often you're mostly amusing yourself. You're you're shocking yourself when what you're saying and they validate that. That is a shock to you. I don't care how many years you do this work. It's incredible. Um, but there are some people that they just say what they say and they have no interest in, they have no interest in your response because they're just there to do what they're there to do. So it comes again, sometimes skill, it can come down to personality rather than skill. So in that John Oliver show, he accuses mediums um, that do their readings on television of doing research um, before, let, let's just say if there's a, there's a celebrity psychic medium or whatever, and they're out there on a show, um, you know, and they're going to do readings for the crowd. And he accuses them of having a team of researchers. I have worked with um, hundreds of, I don't know about hundreds, but a lot. Like my work is devoted to other fellow sensitives. I have never heard of any of them, you know, whether they're authors or they do go on TV, them um, having a research team for some random audience members. So um, instead of maybe being open to the reality that, yeah, the dead can talk and it's, they just tell you what to tell their loved ones. Um, suggesting that we all have a bunch of researchers is just super weird. I mean, let's just say that the television psychic reads, you know, a celebrity or what have you. I mean, should they never ever have a reading because they might have shared some personal information on TV? I mean, does that mean they should never ever have a reading with a psychic medium? I don't, you know, come on. There was one time um, on the Meredith Vieira show, psychic medium, Teresa Caputo. I think she just goes by a medium, which she, in my eyes, has to be psychic as well. But anyway, Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, told Meredith that she doesn't solve murders. Now, the truth, why did she say that, is because that's a boundary for her. Psychics specialize in certain areas, so just because she won't solve the murder doesn't mean she couldn't. She doesn't want to step out of her comfort zone and get into psychic, psychic detective work, right? So shouldn't we respect her for not doing something that she's not comfortable with? 
and possibly causing stress for the clients because she she's out of her comfort zone and she lacks the ability um, on the subject. So um, just because we can do things does not mean that we should. And you will find within yourself and with your fellow sensitives that we do tend to hone in on a certain area of the work, just like a doctor. They're not all just family practitioners. Some are surgeons, some are, you know, lungs, some are eyes, some are teeth. I mean, you pick your specialty and so do psychics. And, um, I agree that if you're not a specialist in psychic detective work, you're out of your element, maybe, right? Cause you just, and, and if you want to get into it and sometimes you don't have a choice, <laughs> we don't have a choice. Like the guides, the spirits put us where we're supposed to be, but, um, let's just say you're going to start that profession at some point and you're going to learn on the job if that's what type of psychic work you're meant to do for sure. But that's just because I could do that doesn't mean I should because I would be out there, you know, trying to do something. I would have, you, you'd have to learn the ropes. And certainly at the beginning, you might not be all that accurate and all that helpful because you're getting used to the whole process. So there are some psychics that absolutely just fall right into the psychic detect psychic detective. Um, they can help solve murders and things like that. But seriously, just because you're a medium does not mean you should interject yourself in anywhere near things like that. Okay. It has more to do like with calling, like I said, with doctors, just cause you're an eye specialist, um, doesn't mean I want you to go in there and do surgery on my knee. <laughs> could you probably, probably better than I could, <laughs> but you know, so we, we specialize, we do specialize. And again, instead of looking at her saying, no, I don't solve murders and making fun of her for that, the accurate thing to do would be like, I respect that you're a specialist. You just are a medium and give messages from family members. That's it. Good. Good for her, you know? And then he made fun of Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil for having psychics on their show. You know, it's a big joke that Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz have psychics on their show. Well, <laughs> excuse me. Actually, on the Dr. Oz show on May 9th, 2013, he had a brain imaging specialist, um, Danielle Amen, A-M-E-N, and he actually mapped Teresa Caputo's brain waves as she channeled. <laughs> so they didn't just have the psychic medium on. Um, Dr. Oz, again, had an experiment on TV mapping her brain waves. And what he found was that her brain activity actually went down when she was channeling loved ones on the other side. You understand? So if she was making it up, her brain chemistry would have been firing it would have been more active because she's trying to think about things and rationalize things and observe things. But what happens is they evidentially concluded that our brain waves actually have to go down so we can receive information. So scientifically proven <laughs> that as mediums, we have to be receiving vessels. We have to like 
It's like our brain activity has to go down when our family, our friends, our loved ones, or whomever is talking to us. When, when we are receiving information, we must slow our brains down to receive that information. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? If you're in a discussion with somebody and while they're talking, all you're doing is thinking, you're not listening. So your brain activity never calms down enough to listen or receive. So there's a clip on it. If you go to my katesaintclair.com website and you go to the blogs, there is an article, did John Oliver offend you? I have a link to that um, Dr. Oz clip where that Dr. Daniel Amen, Amen, A-M-E-N, <laughs> where he maps her brain activity, thus proving we have to absolutely surrender and receive psychic medium information to be able to give it. So it's about, it's about around a minute 30. So, um, John Oliver in his piece, he showed a clip of the famous psychic medium, Sylvia, Sylvia Brown. And I have kind of a love hate, um, opinion of her, but what I can say for sure is she certainly is a pioneer in the field and she certainly tried to bring light and levity. And I love her books. Um, and she did the best. I, I know with all my heart, she did the best that she could with the time frame that she was on this planet. So no matter what my opinion is, I have nothing but respect for her because she's definitely a pioneer and she definitely tried to uh, make my profession more mainstream. But on the John Oliver show, he showed a clip of Sylvia Brown telling a missing girl's mother that she was dead. So, um, and maybe I've told you guys the story about, I had a session with her son <laughs> and he was so off, mean, cruel. Okay. And maybe I connect the two, you know, I connect him to his mom and that's maybe not fair, but, um, to get back to the point, the truth is that um, we read energy often. You know, if we're not actually talking to a spirit, then we're trying to read the energy. And the more the energy in the room, the harder it is to be specific. Um, so uh, it's why I don't advise reading on television or in large groups unless you know, you really, really know how to do it because. Um, Let's just say if, um, I, I kind of talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, you can be reading two things at the same time. You could be looking at something and then you could be looking at, um, somebody clairvoyantly, but experiencing somebody else clairsentiently. So that's a phenomenon that absolutely can happen. I mean, I've personally done theater readings and large group events, and it is amazing. I mean, I didn't know if I could do it because as I've said a million times, each person has at least five, <laughs> five, okay, a minimum of five spirits with them. And I wondered how the hell I was going to get them to talk one at a time so I could hear a clear message. I mean, usually they all talk at the same time and I can't hear anything specific. I use the analogy, you guys, it's like being in a car with a bunch of children. If they're all talking to you at the same time, you are hearing nobody, but you're definitely feeling the pressure. And, um, 
psychics don't realize that that can be what's happening. Why I always say to my students, it's not that you get, you're getting nothing. It's that you're getting so much that you hear nothing. So my work with fellow intuitives is about how to slow information down, how to refine it, how to talk to it so that you get specifically what you want. But the problem is never that you get nothing. The problem is you get too much, which sounds like nothing, (laughs) right? Um, or if, if I'm at a, a group thing and let's just say I'm communicating with somebody's loved one on the other side and maybe they showed me like 10 images in my mind over five seconds and I'm supposed to know what the hell they, they mean by that. It's like having a slideshow be downloaded into your mind and you're supposed to know, you know, out of these 10, 10 images what that's supposed to mean. No, no. We learn to dialogue with the spirit to be like, slow down one at a time, perhaps tell me what you're showing me, you know, kind of try to fill out the big picture so that the information you communicate is accurate. Now at my theater shows, I did a great job, but I also put decades of study into know what I was doing. And I put in um, decades of one-on-one sessions before I dared try to do a group reading. And I found my voice and I learned to tell them what I needed to give that clear message. And I demanded the spirits do it my way because after all, they're trying to use me to give a message. It's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) So I had to find my voice and I had to get the skill and the ability to talk to the people, i.e. spirits, but they're people and let them know what I needed so that it coming out of my mouth would be relevant to my clients. And of course, there there are some genuine psychics that go on television and or, or they do interviews and they make a fool of themselves and they probably have the best intentions, but unfortunately the information isn't right and it can be harmful when it's not right. That is what stops most people from doing this professionally. The terror that what you say is not right. But any of us doing it before we're truly ready, it's just not good for anybody. And 99% of the psychics I've ever worked with, they already know that. In fact, there's, they're so trained and they're so good, but that fear of not being right or accurate makes them not want to put themselves out in the world where they, they would be of great service and, um, could bring in incredible information, but the fear of just not getting it a hundred percent every single time stops them. And I do recommend getting trained before you put yourself out there because you deserve to be supported and know exactly what you're doing before all eyes are on you. Just because you get information doesn't mean you have to offer it either, right? We've talked about that. You get information because you're psychic and you get to decide who, what, when, where, and how you give psychic information. It's just like hearing, right? If you walk by a conversation and hear something, it doesn't mean that they were talking to you. It's not your responsibility. They're talking to each other. (laughs) But sometimes just because you hear it, some people, it's the equivalent of that where in life, you know, like if you're walking past a neighbor's house and they're talking, that's not your business, but you heard what they said, but you don't personalize that. But when you're hypersensitive as a psychic medium, you feel like because you heard something, you must offer 
that to whoever you think you heard it for. So let's clear a f- let's clear up a few myths about psychics as we you know near the end of this podcast today. So first myth is psychics um there's a myth that psychics know everything. <laughs> uh, psychics are people. I mean, we all have intuition that is put into every single human being. Um, so we're, we're just normal people. And um, we merely can access the spiritual information through our clairs. And whether we like it or not, we are more aware of it. Okay, but um, I'm sorry, but... The, the truth is, is that the guides work just as hard getting, um, keeping information from us as they do giving us information. So, um, our guides work overtime trying to block information. Um, I always hear this stupid joke that if you're so psychic, why haven't you won the lottery? I mean, because it's, uh, maybe not your destiny to have that burden, or it's not in your life's contract to have that type of thing happen to you. So um, I don't care who you are. If you're not supposed to experience lottery winnings, you won't. <laughs> Do you see like there's a big picture here and... Um, Do I think like a psychic could? Yes, but I'm telling you, if... The guides don't want, it's not in your lifeline. It's not in your contract. They will work so hard to block that from psychics um, because that is maybe not a lesson or an experience you need, right? You can imagine if you have a contract to live a certain way and go through these certain lessons, it's not reality to say that, oh, you can just uh, do whatever you want and it's a free for all. If it's not your destiny to win the lottery, you won't, psychic or not, right? And then I go back to fundamentally, we're all psychic. So um, it's ridiculous that psychic gifts can be put on a ridiculous thing such as the lottery. I hear it all the time. It's so stupid. All right, another truth is psychics are only as good as their understanding and interpretation of information. So I've shared this humble lesson I had when I was learning to really control and use my gift. I was learning to have a relationship with my spirit guides. I was reading everything. I was insatiably trying to read and know everything so I could be confident with my gift and myself and my guides and all that. So I asked my, I was, there was a show down in Denver with a, a fellow psychic. This is 15 years ago ish. And I asked my guides, you know, how is it going to go? And I heard my guides say, you're coming home. And in my ignorance and earliness of all of this, I assumed they meant like metaphorically, I'm going to meet my people. I'm going to belong finally, yada, yada. And, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes into the experience, I was literally in my vehicle driving home, yelling at them why I was even there. And I remembered them saying, oh, you are coming home. So that's, that takes time and skill and often training to understand the tone of psychic information. 
Um, so, you know, when you're not a professional, the opportunity for you to really work with that texture is limited. You know, it just is. You're, you're going off of your own, maybe you're not even trained to talk to your guys. And so you don't even have that. Um, so there's just a lot of things to know, um, to understand how your psychic senses work. And it is as, it is as good as the way you understand it to be. Um, I could hear my guys cause I'm very clairaudient and you are too probably. Um, but maybe if you're super clairvoyant, you just see images and you don't know what the hell any of those images mean. And so it would take maybe leaning on another Claire, such as Claire audience to hear, okay, I keep getting downloads of this image of the blue balloon. And I would encourage you to take that to the next step. Well, what does that mean? Well, ask, and maybe you could then with Claire audience here, it means she's going to have a son, which I did. I had a son, but that reading was probably mm, 10 years before I even had my son. So blue balloon information coming from a psychic stupid blue balloon which means to me you'll have a son okay I can put that in my pocket right okay another sort of myth that we'll talk about is that psychic mediums um psychic mediums do have maybe it's not a myth it's more like a truth right psychic mediums do have access to spirits on the other side as you do too because we are all born with the ability to connect to and talk to heaven. So we're not necessarily special because we can. What is special about us is that um, we do it naturally sometimes, whether we like, often, whether we like it or not, and in big, huge ways, okay? That is no different than, uh, you know, you see all these little tiny kids on cooking shows. Are you kidding me? I couldn't even boil water till I was like 15. I mean, literally my family made fun of me for it, but, um, I couldn't even conceive of flavors and textures and dishes. You know, I was raised with, uh, musical prodigies and I'm, I'm musically inclined for sure. I'm a singer. And if you show me something musically, I can copy you. I can do it. I can learn fast, but I don't have that natural, like I don't often, I don't hear music in my head. You know, that's not what I do. So when we're talking about psychic mediums, I'm trying to normalize it that what we do might seem supernatural or, um, unthinkable. And it's just not, it is just something we all have access to like food, like cooking. We have to feed ourselves three times a day at least. And some people, eat the most beautiful food three times a day. And some people boil water and throw a box in there. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So there is nothing supernatural about being a psychic medium. It's just extremely natural. It is natural. Okay. And so, I mean, if we're still struggling with disbelief that some people can talk to the dead, it's just so silly. It, we all can. And I mean, can you imagine that there's only a handful of people that are in a dimension that can talk to other dimensions and you don't have access to that? <laughs> no, you have access to the same things I do. It's just that I 
this was firing on me on, on all cylinders throughout my life. And maybe it's something you don't really have to be aware of because maybe you don't have the same types of struggles or the same, certainly you don't have the same um, destiny in your life. And so that's, none of us are better than the other. It's just, it's destiny. It's what we're born to do. And so the, the sad part is if you're raised to be a chef, you can grow up and be a chef and everyone celebrates that. If you have the destiny to be uh, a musician, people celebrate that within you. If you are, you know, you guys get the idea. So the sad part is, is if, you, if you're born to be a psychic medium, oh my God, like that's just too weird. <laughs> it's not. It's the most natural thing we can do. We are spiritual beings in the third dimension, third, fourth. And, um, we are connected to heaven through our clairs, through our spirit. The language of our spirit body is our clairs. Okay. Which is our psychic sense. And we access heaven. We access our guides, our spiritual birth guides. We access the angels through our intuition. All of us always we access God, you know, our creator, however that looks for you, however you want to say that, we access that through our intuition, through our spiritual language, which is the Claire's. I hope that I'm not confusing you. I'm trying to language it so it doesn't seem so abstract and psychic medium, like, okay, you talk to the dead, how? Well, through our Claire's, as can you, okay? It's not special in the sense that you know, we need to be put on a pedestal because it's so unthinkable what we do, but rather what we do is so normal. I want little psychic kids, little medium kids to grow up and be a normal psychic medium, bringing in messages, offering guidance. Cause I'm sorry, even though I'm a psychic medium, I love getting guidance from my colleagues. I love getting validation. I'll even have my students read me um, as an exercise and I don't have any expectation and here <laughs> they'll validate the information I'm already getting. I mean, whatever it helps me. It reinforces the realness of the work that I experience all the time. Um, so another truth, let me see, is this a truth or a myth? People born psychic are less likely to want to do it professionally than people coming to the work through a tragic event. You know, we've talked about that. So this is just a truth. Those of us born with the gift are normally the ones that judge the shit out of it in the culture. We can often be the harshest critics and, um, you know, certainly see that you see people really going after our profession that are actually closet psychics and, if they don't get to be, then you don't get to be. And so they'll kind of tear you down from that point of view. Um, and again, the sad part is, is that the culture says it's not real. So if we can overcome the culture and we can just integrate it into the culture, then we can make some peace and we can all make some headway just trying to connect to that part of ourselves. So, and like I said, the, those of us born with it, um, we have a lot more to overcome in terms of our early understanding and training of it. Going back to the beginning of the podcast, it's like, like I said, does a John Oliver or anybody else understand what it's like to be a medium kid? 
and be tormented by the spirit in your room while either not being able to ask your parents for help or if you do, knowing that's just going to be another source of pain for you. So we have to spend a lifetime healing those those memories, those experiences for ourselves, the judgment, the ridicule, your the joke, the terror, um, you know, and, and how many ways that can be reinforced painfully when people don't understand that about you going back to when you were a baby. Um, so the last thing is that psychic mediums are not magicians. Okay. There is no trickery involved like with magic, like the Houdini type stuff. Um, so if the reader is using their minds, then you are a parlor trick. You are not in a session with a medium, right? <laughs> I can get a little bit frustrated with talks of Houdini. So he was a magician. He was not a medium. And to be direct, the narcissism that they, you know, when somebody says Houdini, if Houdini was out to prove mediums weren't real, or if they were, he would be the one proving it. Well, he wasn't a medium. So um, the narcissism, <laughs> that it's kind of like me as a medium saying, well, if I can't do this one trick, then all magicians are fake, which, you know, I mean, come on, but you understand my point. Like if my talent was like, if I couldn't do this trick, then none of it is of value. I mean, it's its own thing. So whether I can do magic or not, they don't care. They're out there doing their thing. They're performing it. It ooze and awes us. It's whatever. I don't understand it, but it has nothing to do with being a medium. So mediums can't, um, when a client comes in and I kind of know that they're, this hasn't happened to me for a really long time, probably 15 years, but early in my career, I'd have people come to me to sort of like, is he going to leave his wife? You know, I haven't talked to my kids in 20 years. Can you tell me what they're doing? And <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I'd kind of try, even though like it went against my morals and it went against my boundaries, but I like just wanted to be helpful. Um, so what the hell is my point about that? My point is, is that, um, I was kind of used as like a looking glass to things that were maybe not an, uh, an appropriate thing, but, um, with my immaturity, maybe with my, I didn't quite understand what my job was. I didn't quite understand that to come to a psychic medium, we do not, it is not our job to tell you what you want to hear and people early in my career used to kind of come to me for that. And since I've gotten much more skilled and I know exactly um, what's going on here, it is not our jobs to tell people what they want to hear. In fact, when I have a, a student and you know, I care about my students, I work with them a long time. I, we talk about very intimate things. I, I do care about them and I will find myself listening to the guides and trying to protect them from what they're about to hear. And I catch myself doing it. And I have to say, Oh, you're not paying me to protect you. You're paying me to be honest with you. And so I sometimes have to just say exactly what I'm getting and then talk backwards um, with them so that we more understand what the guides were trying to tell them. 
thus, so I don't get in my own way where I can, the point is, is that I can go to the other extreme and actually try to tell, you know, not want to tell my clients sometimes hard news. Um, so I don't ever like do the, is he going to leave me, leave his wife for me? I don't even entertain stuff like that anymore. I could kind of talk all day about that subject, but to summarize, psychics are not magicians. It has nothing to do with being a psychic medium. That's a totally other thing of trickery. And um, to suggest that we are here to tell you what you want to hear is nonsense. We are truth speakers and um, we are not in control of what guides say. We are here to be of service and we are here with compassion to offer guidance and bring in as much information to make it A, make sense and B, give you a roadmap as to the what, where, why, and how, <laughs> right? The <laughs> Excuse me, the bigger questions. Um, so to summarize and conclude, psychic is on, um, not psychic, <laughs> science is on your side. Psychic abilities have been validated and proven scientifically. We are past all of this. And if you are talking to somebody who is not past it, that is their problem, not yours. Um, so John Oliver had selected psychics to make fun of, and there's plenty to make fun of for sure. <laughs> As I say, it's true for every profession. So, so cheer up. Be as beautifully psychic and sensitive and as mediumistically as you are. Um, keep on being you. Keep working on and with your gift. And keep that beautiful heart open. And when somebody like John Oliver does a piece about how silly and stupid you are, um, he doesn't understand. And, well, he's like most people. And he's like me when I didn't understand. So... Um, that's just the way it is. And like any profession, there's a lot to make fun of, but we, I hope with your help and with your story, we can bring in more stories of how beautiful this work is and how life affirming this work is and how much peace and joy and transfer, you know, like how much you transform lives because of your skills and your spiritual gifts. All right. Thank you for bearing with me if you're at the end of this podcast. I, I'm pretty passionate about this subject. And um, I just hope that now that we're towards the end here, um, we're at the end rather, that you feel um, more confident when dealing with people that, <laughs> you know, the reality that some people will make fun of you. They just will. And we're not any different than any other profession. So I want to really normalize this reality, this profession for you. Um, if it's who you are and you never go professional, I still want to make sure you don't feel like who you are is a joke because it's not. And I want you to make peace with your sensitivity and the voices you hear and the things you see clairvoyantly and the overwhelming emotional um, burdens that you carry. Okay, or the constant downloads of information. All of that is really normal because you're psychic. So anyway, that's it for this week. And if you're curious about which is the strongest Claire in you, 
go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take my quiz, which Claire are you? Um, and as always let, you know, reach out to me, um, on social media, let me know what, um, Claire you got and how you feel about that and what you think about how that affects your life. I always love to hear from you guys. So, um, thank you for being here with me subscribe to this podcast and leave me a lovely review so that you can help me um, let other sensitives know that this is the place that they need to be so that they know that they belong here with us in this conversation. So <laughs> um, I will see you next week. Uh, next week's podcast is called five tips on how to become comfortable. Excuse me. Five tips on how to be comfortable with your job. So that's uh, as a professional psychic medium in the real world. And again, if you're not a professional psychic medium, you are still part of this conversation because you are that whether you're doing it professionally or not. So it'll be an interesting discussion and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, anyway, until next week, remember it's your birthright to be guided and be great.